Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gaming Breakdown episode 118 is ready to go. The Gators get their head coach as Dan Mullen returns to Gainesville to lead the Gators. I am your host, David Waters on Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me tonight are both co-hosts, Bill Sykes. You can find Bill on Twitter at RealBSykes. And Will Miles, you can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSCC. Uh, guys, <laughs> uh, what a crazy last few days, uh, from Chip Kelly being a done deal to Chip Kelly signing with UCLA, Florida getting beat by Florida state and it all culminating on Sunday as Florida hires Dan Mullen. I know we've been kind of busy, uh, with everything, uh, the season wrapping up, uh, personal lives, but, uh, and I will, I'm, I'm not going to lie, you know, we'll dive into it, but, uh, this one kind of caught me by surprise a little bit on Sunday morning. Yeah, a little bit, man. I, you know, I tweeted out this when the whole Kelly thing went down that, you know, Strickland needed to act decisively and it, because time is of the essence. We've seen these dominoes fall on a day, and in, in the case of Tennessee, the dominoes stand them back up. But, um, you know, you, you can't sit around. you got to make your move, and, and he did that. You know, I know not, not everybody's on board with it, but he went out and he made a boss move. He said, here's your money. Let's go. i got to have a coach. Nah, I'm, I'm just glad it didn't take a week and a half for, for Mullen to decide he wanted to be a Gator like we had to deal with the last couple of weeks. But uh, no, I mean, obviously it was very, very quick, very, very quiet and sort of a welcome change from what we've seen, or at least what we saw through the uh, through the Kelly escapade. Um, I, I'm kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of lucky that I'm here, I guess, because uh, my wife has been on me about not putting my phone down. Uh, luckily, I got a new iPhone, so the battery lasts a while. Uh, as I, I can get that, but she's about ready to kill me. So this coaching search being over, uh, will let me uh, be back with the family a little bit more. We've been moving and had a lot of stuff to do. And tell you what, uh, I, I couldn't stay off my phone. Uh, but you know, we finally finally got it to end here with the hiring of Dan Mullen a little bit, and uh, we'll talk about it more in, in some future episodes. But man, I, I just want to play some video games too. So that was my plan on Sunday night, and. Uh, Sunday comes and Dan Mullen is Florida's head coach. <laughs> Here we are, man. The saga is finally concluded. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, maybe we can score. 
<laughs> that's, that's all. That's, that's the only thought I had is can the dude score points? And yeah, uh, you know, really, sort of the saga is just starting because now true. we get to break down whether, whether, whether he can improve the offense. So that is true. We will we will not be breaking down Florida's uh, defeat uh, to FSU. Uh, we'll be moving past that. This season is over with. Uh, I'm like that guy on that uh, Westworld. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? What game are you talking about, dude? Okay, yeah. What happened? I have no idea. Um, luckily, that is over. No more Doug Nussmeyer. No more Jim McElwain's. Uh, you know, inept- whatever, biggest- whatever that was. Whatever that was. We can move on. Whatever now. adjective you want to loosely throw out there. <laughs> All right. Remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Just search on those sites to get the links by following Gators Breakdown on Twitter and on Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Hey, look, when you're on iTunes, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. So, guys, I I mentioned how it all came down a little bit. Uh, Pete Thamel of Yahoo um, kind of was the first one to report it on on Sunday. Kind of surprised everyone after the Chip Kelly fiasco. Uh, but he says Florida touched base with Dan Mullen on Friday uh, following the Egg Bowl loss to Ole Miss. The school had conversations with Chip Kelly, as we know, of course, and Scott Frost, who both indicated better fits may be available at a place other than a high-profile SEC school. Uh, and then Trey Wallace, you know, we've had discussions with him uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, he's followed his coaching search pretty closely uh, as well, and especially from the Tennessee side, uh, tweeted that both Florida and Tennessee – we're trying to get Mullen to sign yesterday. Uh, that would have been Saturday uh, when Dan told Jimmy Sexton, the agent, uh, he'd rather take the Gators job. John Curry moved on. John Curry is Tennessee's athletic director. Uh, moved on to Greg Schiano. Tennessee had a conference call with Mullen and his reps in the middle of the week. Then the Gators got involved after Scott Frost said no. So that come from Trey Wallace there. Um, guys, I don't think it was any surprise uh, after Chip Kelly and what happened with UCLA um, that Dan Mullen's name would have been one to creep up as a familiarity with uh, A.D. Scott Strickland. Yeah, I, I think you have to look at this in, in some ways as, as very much not a surprise. Um, you know, I, I've kind of been one that expected him to maybe swing for the fence a little more as far as an up-and-comer. And part of that just because it's been the pattern. Uh, ben Mullen in some ways – appears like a very safe pick but as we're going to get into there's a lot of upside and a lot of like here so you know i think that it's a it's going to be a little bit divisive i think amongst the gator fans but uh, he's a guy that could be in store for, uh, for big things here yeah and based on some of the rumors that we've heard about what frost is asking for um you know i think maybe maybe they just decided they'd rather go with somebody who's got a proven track record rather than swing for the fences with someone who doesn't have a proven track record if it's going to cost them the same amount of money and and certainly frost has other options as well and maybe it just turns out that nebraska um or staying at ucf is the option he wants to stick with but it also sounded like it was going to take a pretty decent sized truckload of money to get him to move and and you know is it really worth it for a guy who who has two years of head coaching experience and and one of those, it's a good season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Right. I mean, yeah. This year is the, is the year, so you could say, you know, uh, it, it's year two and year one. Uh, he was Scott Foster able to build off of that, but I mean, hey, look, we also follow the timeline a little bit, and, and late Saturday night, uh, we got to watch it, and you know, Willie Taggart's name came up as well, uh, and you know, I, I've 
had some you know, uh, sources and all that. If all 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 it was going to take is for Florida to offer him the job, and he would have been the next head coach of Florida. Uh, so you know, if you kind of follow the timeline here, fans got excited uh, as soon as Jim McElwain was fired. There was a uh, a list of coaches uh, that were put out there, led by Scott Frost. Then come along Chip Kelly. Once it kind of was known that he might want to get back into coaching a little bit. UCLA got him. Then we heard Mike Norvell, and then Willie Taggart's name started coming up. And really on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, Taggart's name was was the hot name, uh, one that I kind of expected to maybe come out of this, where where Florida uh, would offer him the job. Uh, but like I said, it was kind of a surprise uh, on Sunday that Dan Mullen got the job. But uh, you know, Saturday night. Uh, what I was hearing and a lot of people were saying um, kind of close to the situation with Taggart is all it would take was him to be offered and he would have been the next head coach at Florida. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Taggart is, is a reasonable is a reasonable pursuit, but I don't know that he's got a record that, that indicates he's that much better than Mullen. I think mm-hmm. Mullen actually is sort of at a disadvantage. You know, you see this a lot with guys who come back for an extra year of college and then get picked apart by NFL scouts, and everyone goes, oh, well, you know, he didn't improve from year two to year three. Well, yeah, in year two, though, he was really, really good. And, you know, Mullen's been at, been at Mississippi State since 2009, and if you'd looked at his track record in, track record in 2012 or 2013, he would have been a, a fairly attractive hire coming out of Mississippi State because the comment really would have been, look at what he's building there. He's about to break out. And now you look at it and we're in 2017 and he hasn't really had that breakout season. Um, you know, he's been eight and four for a lot of those years, but he's also been eight and four in a division where he has to play Alabama and Auburn every year. And, and no one is beating Alabama right now the way they're built with with Mississippi State's roster. I just don't think that's a reasonable thing to ask. Hey, it's not just Alabama, though. Let's remember, you've got three teams in that division that have won national championships in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one of those moments. Let me just say that again. Three teams in the last 10 years from your division have won national champions. If you don't bring your A game every week and they don't fumble four times, it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to get into that too. Of you know, when we go, what's the good about Dan Mullen and what's the bad about Dan Mullen? Uh, and I'll get into to, to that part of it uh, as well. But uh, Florida did did officially release uh, a statement, uh, kind of uh, actually pretty much an article uh, about Dan Mullen uh, himself. Uh, the official release, um, University of Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland announced that Dan Mullen will be the twenty seventh. Head coach in Florida football history, Mullen, who spent the past nine seasons as Mississippi State's head coach from 2009 to 2017, returns to Gainesville where he served four seasons from 2005 to 2008 as offensive coordinator and was a major factor in the program winning two Southeastern Conference titles and BCS national titles during his tenure there. A quote from Dan Mullen, Megan and I are very excited to get back to Gainesville and the University of Florida. I have such great memories of the championships we won during our time there or time here and have a love for Florida. We are happy to be coming back to such a supportive administration, staff, student body, and fan base, which is the premier football program in the country. We will give relentless effort in everything that we do on and off the field. Our commitment will match the passion that the Gator Nation has for this program. I strongly believe Dan is the most prepared candidate to have immediate and long-term success at the University of Florida, A.D. Scott Strickland said. Uh, Coach Mullen is one of the best offensive minds in all of college football and has an unbelievable track record in tutoring successful quarterbacks such as Alex Smith, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, and Nick Fitzgerald. Coach Mullen would do a tremendous job in developing accountability and toughness 
Through a well-coordinated strength and conditioning program, Dan will work closely with the coaching staff, academic advising staff, and administrative team to give every student athlete he coaches the opportunity to grow and excel at a high level athletically, academically, and socially. So, um, you know, uh, kind of to summarize it here, uh, Mullen, 45, was honored in 2014 as National College Football Coach of the Year by the Maxwell Football Club. He also won honors as SEC Coach of the Year that year. Um, his tenure with the Bulldogs saw the program ascend to a number one ranking during the regular season. And he oversaw participation in a school record of eight consecutive bowl games. Um, player development has been key to Mullen's coaching career successes. 22 Bulldogs have been chosen in the NFL draft under Mullen since 2010. Prescott becoming the highest drafted Mississippi State quarterback in modern NFL draft history when he went in the fourth round to the Cowboys in 2016. So, guys, you know, uh, he doesn't have the full backing of Gator Nation. We, we kind of briefly mentioned that. Um, now, don't get me wrong, neither was Chip Kelly or Scott Frost. Uh, and Willie Taggart, like I said, was a hot name over the weekend. Um, there was a huge split with his name, not so much with uh, Chip Kelly or, and or Scott Frost. Uh, but it is Dan Mullen who was hired, and there are many fans who are excited and many who are not. So we talk about some some good things that we can take away uh, from from the hiring of Dan Mullen uh, for fans. Um, you know, they're excited to point to how he was able to win at Mississippi State. It's a hard place to win uh, as much as he did. He was national coach of the year, as I said, in 2014. Uh, they were ranked number one that year. Um, so uh, this came also from that uh, release from Florida. He developed a team that went from unranked to number one quicker than any college football history. Uh, it was five weeks. Uh, the Bulldogs entered September 20th at number eight LSU, just outside the polls, um, led by Prescott, uh, recorded their first victory at LSU since 1991. Uh, then they were number one team for the first time in 80 years of AP polls following wins over Texas A&M, number six Texas A&M and number two, Auburn. So, you know, going back and looking at what he did at Mississippi State, and we've lined out reasons when you got to go against Alabama, when you got to go against Texas A&M, when you got to go against Auburn, you got to go against LSU, and you're the head coach at Mississippi State, winning as much as he did actually, to me, makes a statement. Absolutely. So first, uh, Coach, now I got this from uh, Poster EH on the Gator Bay boards, uh, the 24-7 Sports Network. EH says that um, he's the first Mississippi State coach to depart with a better than 50% win-loss record since Daryl Royal, who only coached from the 1954 and 1955 seasons and left at 12 and 8. Mullen won 60% of his games there. Um, as much as people like to point at Jackie Sherrill, uh, you know, uh, achieving some of the same success there, yeah, he had a 10-win season. Uh, that guy left at basically a 500 record out of there, uh, plus two ties. So what he did was unprecedented there. And, I mean, it's just tremendous. Yeah, and I think I think if you look at what he's done from the standpoint of bringing in blue chip players, um, I know Bill, you'll probably get more into recruiting, but just a little you know, bit. <laughs> but I mean, a top a top twenty five class, which is kind of what he averaged over over his years there, really only places you ninth or tenth in the conference uh, in the SEC, and he was much better than ninth or tenth in the conference. He averaged seventh overall as as a conference finish. Finished third was the best overall in twenty fourteen. Um, so, you know. 
basically you would expect the team to be about a top 25 team. And when you look at the football power index through ESPN, he averaged 31 over his, over his tenure there at Mississippi state. And I think it really starts to show the stark contrast when you look at, when you look at the differences between him and Sylvester Croom. So Croom's average recruiting ranking was 42. Mullins is 27. More than anything though, you start looking at points per game um, on the offensive side. Croom averaged, it was 108th is what he ranked in the country. Mullen was 58th. And even on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, the defensive side of the ball from a points per game perspective, um, Mullen's average was 38th and Crooms was 62nd. So he improved both the defensive and the offensive sides of the ball. He improved the talent significantly there at Mississippi State and they, and they won more games than they lost. Um, you know, certainly I think there are probably some fair criticisms about the teams that had Dak Prescott just because Prescott was such a transcendent talent. And then he comes to the Cowboys and shows to be probably even better than we thought he was at the time that he was in college. And you wonder whether that might have been the time that Mississippi State had an opportunity to break through. But, um, you know, I, I understand why some people would have reservations about Mullen, um, particularly uh, considering that this is kind of a lateral move, you might say, for him. Um, <laughs> 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 but, you know, I mean, but, but at the end of the day, I, I wonder what would happen if you gave McIlwain and Nussmeyer Mississippi State's players from 2009 to 2017. Oh, man. I think what you're telling me is was the offensive coordinator for Sylvester Crew. <laughs> well, it is interesting because when you, when you look at it and, and, you know, year one is going to be a little bit interesting. But when you look, he went from basically 116th to 76th in points per game to 54th in the second year. So if you if Florida sees that kind of improvement on the offensive side of the ball, you're not necessarily, I don't think, going to have to worry too much about recruiting because people are going to see the direction and the progress and buy in. And that was always one of the things with McElwain is we weren't seeing any progress. So how do you buy in? And just to add to that, when he walked away from there, he's, he's got them in their eighth straight bowl game uh, every year but the first year. He's the second winningest coach in Mississippi State history. And even though he is second, uh, he averaged 7.6 wins a year, whereas Jackie Sherrill had more years, only averaged 5.1. He had two top 15 finishes there. He was number 15 in 2010 and then number 11 in 2014. That is tremendous for Mississippi State. Five and two in bowl games. You know, the 10 win season he had in 2014 was the third ever in their school's history. Like you said, 2014 AP SEC Coach of the Year. And hey, you talked about defense. The guy has shown the, the ability to hire good assistants. He's hired good coordinators. We've got Jeff Collins out of there. He's hired Manny Diaz. Now they've got uh, Todd Grantham. So, you know, and we'll get into some of the staffing issues, but there's a lot of signs here between the development and the staffing and the production. It's a guy that looks a lot better suited to run a football program than Jim McElwain was. We still don't know that Jim McElwain's a bad football coach, but this job currently or clearly was above him. It was beyond him. He couldn't keep up with the recruiting and the off-the-field stuff. This is a guy who's gone into the cellar of the SEC West, the shark tank that it is, and he's held his own, and he's treaded some, tread some water out there. So with these accolades, with the success we've seen, I think we've got every reason to believe that he can be a good football coach at Florida. Yeah, and there were, you know, were things that we talked about that the success he had. I mean, look, you put him in the SEC East, Mississippi State's probably playing in an SEC championship game somewhere along the way. <laughs> so, you know, we mentioned playing in the playing in the West, but you know, look at his overall SEC record. And those were those were here's where people kind of start to worry uh, about Mullen and some of the things uh, that may not be uh, up to par. You know, his record versus the SEC at Mississippi State was thirty three and thirty nine. 
Uh, like I said, that was a division dominated uh, by Alabama, who he never beat at Mississippi State. But look, not many people have. Uh, you also have LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, who recruit and have much bigger football budgets uh, compared to Mississippi State. Uh, but also another complaint is, uh, and I saw various records versus ranked opponents. So uh, the one I went with, he was seven and thirty-one versus ranked opponents. Uh, but people, I think, use different parameters out there of when they were ranked or what poll it was or whatever. So uh, that's what I came up with. Uh, but if we're going to hold true to our mo- our motto or some of our <laughs> mottos that that stars matter, yes, coaching does too. There's a reason he struggled versus more talented teams. He just didn't he didn't have the talent. He didn't have the horses, uh, but still had Mississippi State competitive. You know, I get the worry though of the overall SEC record and, and the record against ranked opponents. But uh, I really think the caveat of being at Mississippi State is what held him back. I think so, too. And if I may add to that, Dave, you brought up the rank, ranking versus – excuse me, record versus ranked opponents. And you had a seven versus – or seven wins in, uh, out of 32 tries. I, or 31, excuse me. I had seven out of 32. So we were one off on there. Okay. By my numbers, which would be worse for him because I showed it only winning seven out of 32 – he was 21.8% versus ranked opponents. Well, people were comparing that to Willie Taggart. And again, I've been a proponent of Willie Taggart. I think he would have been a good hire for Florida. I think Mullen's going to be a good hire for Florida. Well, Willie Taggart was only three out of 14. That's 17.6%. So Willie Taggart did well um, well below by percentage than, uh, than Mullen did versus ranked opponents. So his performance was not as good there. Uh, and I think you also have to take into consideration who those ranked opponents are. Yeah. And again, I mentioned that with top 25 recruiting classes. So in 2016, he had the 28th ranked recruiting class in the nation. It was 11th in the SEC. And I guarantee you five yeah. or six of those were in the, were in the West. And so, you know, is it reasonable to ask him to be, I mean, to be quite honest, based on the national recruiting ranking, Mississippi State probably shouldn't have been a ranked team much of the time anyway. They should have been right on that borderline between 25 and 30, and they're getting beat by a team that's ranked 15th. Well, you know, they ought to lose. And every year they're playing a team that's ranked number one or number two because they're playing Alabama. So right. Auburn's been pretty good in that span. LSU's been very solid in that span. Ole Miss has been cheating in that span, and he's had to compete with that <laughs> within within the state. Um you know, allegedly, I guess, allegedly, old Mess has been allegedly cheating, but that's in his state. So he's still pulling blue chip recruits in from the state of Mississippi, even though he's had to go up against Hugh Freeze and some of the allegations that have gone on there at, at Mississippi. So, um, you know, I don't think this is a home run like I like I was saying it was with Chip Kelly. I mean, I looked at Chip Kelly and just said, yeah. Offense is going to completely turn around. The guy's going to bring an unbelievable recruit. You look at his record and every single thing that he touched while he was at Oregon turned to gold. I think you look at Dan Mullen and you go, wow, there's some real promise here, but there are still some questions. And I think that was true with every candidate who was out there other than Chip Kelly, which is at least the guys who we presume are available. And and I think that's one of the things that that probably drove Strickland to make this decision is that there were questions with everybody. So let's go with the devil you know rather than the devil you don't. That's a good point, but I would also add that there were there are questions with Chip Kelly. I mean, we've heard rumors that he wanted all this control and didn't want the oversight and wanted kind of this absolute power, but this is a guy, you know, like we've talked about, that he ran into GM trouble in the NFL and did not display the, the ability to, to handle situations like that. The guy ran into NCAA trouble at Oregon, and while I'm not trying to make that bigger than it than it is – it's still a compliance issue. It's something you have to handle off the field. And so you've got two examples and two different jobs where he had trouble. 
I don't know that that was going to be a good fit. And so it's not like he was an, an automatic road to the championship and success and prosperity. Um, and, and like you said, all these guys had questions, uh, especially the ones that remained on the board. And so they went with the proven guy. And, and I don't want to sound like I've completely changed my tune. I really – I felt like Taggart could have been the underdog, you know, and we could have kind of played that underdog role as a program. Uh, but I think this is a solid hire. Like you said, maybe not a grand slam, but I really – honestly, guys, everybody that's listening out there, you know me. I, I call it like I see it. I'm not going to um, – let anything slide. If I start seeing problems with, with moves that are being made and, and if the stats aren't lining up, recruiting or whatever, I'm going to call it like I see it. But I think there's real reason for Gator fans to give this guy a chance, to have some optimism. I think this could be the start of something really good for the program. I don't disagree with you, Bill. I, I think my initial reaction was a little bit of disappointment. Maybe just because it's somebody. Just Maybe just because it's somebody I do know. Right. And, and so, you know, the person's warts. And so, you know, you, you sort of gravitate towards looking at those. I think as I've looked a little bit closer at some of the stats, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the hire. Um, the one thing I would say is that we're going to know year one and year two in recruiting because I think he's I think he's an excellent coach. And so I think if he can bring in top five classes, then there's nothing to worry about. If he struggles on the recruiting trail year one and year two, then the development may be slower than people uh, people necessarily want to see. That's a great point. It's going to be key. And, and I think it, it's fair to say, look, when you when you check off the boxes here, we talked about the guy's a great quarterback developer, and we'll get into more of that, I'm sure. Um, we've talked about the fact that he has competed in the SEC. We know he's familiar with Florida and the program. So he's going to bring a staff that we, we believe is going to have some recruiting ties to the state. Uh, there's a lot to like here, but one of the things that I like to see in a Florida coaching candidate is a guy that has proven he can be a championship-level football coach. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen him go out and win a conference. I think his best finish was second in the East one time, and he has lingered at fourth or fifth. Like I said, though, you've got a lot of national championship-level teams out there that just have gobs more talent than, than he had to work with. It didn't have the disadvantages of being the second – most you know prestigious football program in the state of Mississippi, you know, and then you're surrounded by the shark. So it's a contextualized sort of story of success. It's a contextualized uh, defense of of the hire. I get that, guys. There are legitimate criticisms of this, but there's also legitimate reasons to think. Okay, you know what? This might work. Bill, did you get a chance? I mean, this I was probably there might be more opinion too. Anyway. We probably and we had to go back and look at his time at Florida, but you know him recruiting the state of Florida. Do you have do you have worries there about you know we'll get into the staff later, but you know comparing the state of Mississippi to the state of Florida is not even comparable whatsoever. Uh, he did well recruiting that state, uh, but you know just in your opinion, I, I guess I'll just ask your opinion: Can he recruit the state of Florida well? I don't know. I honestly don't know because here's that's, that's one of the other worries that you know people have about of him is is recruiting the state of Florida itself. Well, this kind of ties into I, I did some analysis on on his recruiting at Mississippi State, and what I like to do, uh, and what I was working on with Haggard and with Norvell and some of these other candidates and Frost is, is to see how how did they impact recruiting. We talked about that a little bit on a couple of past episodes recently. Like, you know, when they came in, where did their classes rank as compared to the, the classes of other coaches at that university? Because it shows the kind of impact they had on them. And when I looked at it, um, 
Mississippi State prior to him between 2002 and 2008, which was mostly the Croom era, I, I get it, and there was some of Cheryl on the tail end of his career. They they were averaging about 34 <coughs> nationally. Uh, that's 34 nationally and about eighth in the conference. Well, when Dan Mullen came in, like Will said, he elevated the national rankings on average. Uh, he even pulled like an eight. 18 class a couple of times, and they're ranked 15th in the nation right now, uh, to where their average went up from 34 to 25 nationally. But you also saw the conference ranking drop on average from year to year, from about eight and a half to just over nine. So they they lost a spot under Mullen in the conference. Now, for one thing, Texas A&M and Missouri joined the conference during that time in, in 2012, I believe it was. But also, I think that's indicative that you saw the conference recruiting rise as a whole in that those glory years of the SEC that we saw. And it might be fading a little bit in that star now, but it got a little tougher. So I don't know, honestly, that we can say he really made that much of a difference on the recruiting at Mississippi State. He certainly did better nationally. He had some – passing the eyeball test here, yeah, they had some good classes. He, he found some unheralded players, especially quarterback with Prescott and Fitzgerald, that – that really turned out spectacularly. Um, but I don't know yet uh, because in as much as I'm telling the listeners right now that the numbers don't show a big spike, again, I, I'm not sugarcoating this. I'm not sunshine pumping, but it is a lot to ask when you say go into Mississippi, which is bordered by Louisiana and Alabama, and then Florida's right around the corner to go in there. And then for that matter, Texas school is going to reach in there and Georgia to go in there as the you know sixth or seventh best team in your division in the SEC against those programs and to recruit well. Uh, and then you got Ole Miss to contend with in state. So I just don't know. The good news is we know that he's got some some coaches on staff with Florida ties between Hevesy and Gonzalez and some of those guys. And if he retains a few on the current staff, I believe that they are going to have the connections in state, especially with his experience, to get it done. But we are going to have to find out a little bit about who he is as a recruiter. Yeah, one of the interesting things, if you look at 2004 to 2008, and again, this is Kroom, but still, it's Mississippi State. So they averaged two blue chips, so four-star, five-star players. And if you look at Mullen under his years from 2009 to 2017, they averaged four. And they had a couple of years where they had seven. And in 2013, they had five. So, you know. From from a national ranking, they raised the they raised the bar. From a conference perspective, maybe they didn't, but like you mentioned, A and M coming in, but really, a quality of player coming into the program was significantly improved. And I don't know necessarily that. I mean, you know, A and M and and Missouri joining were only going to pull talent out of Mississippi. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I think you know. Some people have wanted to make comparisons to like James Franklin being at Vanderbilt and then going to Penn State. Um, you know, I've 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 sort of talked about that a little bit in terms of Chris Peterson and uh, going from Boise to Washington and then Sarkeesian going from Washington to USC. And then if you think of Washington as being a place where there aren't a whole where there isn't a whole lot of blue chip talent, you you know Peterson is in that third, fourth, fifth in the Pac-12. Sarkeesian was in that same place, and then when he went to USC, all of a sudden he was the top dog and he was number one in the conference. Um, you know, I, the problem I have is that I, I'm not necessarily sure that Mullen can unseat Saban as the number one guy in the conference, and I'm not sure that he can unseat Smart as the number one guy in the East. And I think that's maybe where the apprehension on the recruiting comes from is, you know, if he's third in the conference from here on out, 
that's probably good enough to compete every once in a while, but it's not going to be good enough to be the top dog in the East or the top dog in the SEC consistently like Florida was under Meyer or Spurrier. I don't have the data to to comment on whether or not they can keep you there consistently, but third in the conference is the magic number is the lowest common denominator so far for the playoff teams. And I know I keep coming back to that. So if we could get there, that's a, that's a benchmark we haven't met under McElwain. Uh, so I would love to see that. And it would be a positive step. The one thing I would add here, when we talk about them averaging, you know, ninth in the conference, because there were some years that they were better than that. Well, you have to run down the list there. Well, Alabama, perennial national title, title contender. LSU has been a perennial national title contender. It's 1-1 one, one, uh, while Dan Mullen was there. Well, actually, it was just before he got there. Auburn has won a couple of titles since then. Um, you know, Florida just won titles in 06 and 08. You know, Georgia hasn't – you know, they've had a long-term problem with living up to their potential, but they're also the fourth-best talent state in America. You know, and then Tennessee is in uh, – they, they won a title in 98, a national title you know, in an excellent talent state. And then Texas A&M is the top talent state in the country. So these are all schools that they're competing with for these conference rankings. Um, you know, maybe I'm kind of shading on the side of the sunshine right now, but I just, I feel like there's a legitimate reason for them to be hovering that level, even with Dan Mullen doing a good job. But like you said, we do have to find out, can he go toe to toe and prove that he's not just a good coach and a good recruiter, but a great one. Yeah, and things he leaned, <clears throat> and what he leaned on at Mississippi State too was he leaned on a lot of JUCO guys. And when you're at a lower tier school, you know you can you you see a lot of lower tier schools do that, uh, going to get JUCO guys. Hey, and it worked out for him. There's a lot of JUCOs that went through that program and, and played well for him. Uh, so I think that's something else that we have to look out for. Is he won't have to do that at Florida. I don't think he'll do that at Florida, but it will be something that he's been used to doing. And I don't know necessarily know if he'll bring that over or not. Yeah, I wouldn't suspect he would that much. You'll see him pepper the roster a little bit, but not a whole lot. Especially early on as he sees holes that have been yeah. left by the previous by the previous administration and sort of the the drop off in talent that we've seen specifically over the last three years. I mean, you know, if you look at the teams that Florida's gonna have to compete against, I mean, Florida State, as much as people want to complain about Jimbo Fisher, has averaged a four point seven in their recruiting ranking from two thousand eleven to two thousand seventeen. Georgia's seven point three, LSU's six point one, Tennessee's fourteen point three. And Florida's 10.0. So this is from 2011 to 2017. So it's not a surprise that Florida is playing close games against Tennessee and losing pretty significantly to Florida State. Just the recruiting has not been up to par for those teams. I know, Bill, you talked maybe a couple of weeks ago about the differential between Florida and its rivals and how that switched when McElwain came into the program. That's going to have to switch again with Mullen. And, and so I don't know that he necessarily has to be – has to be first in the country every year, put bringing those top one classes, top three classes, but he's going to have to be close because that's what Florida state's doing. Yeah. That's going to be one of the key things to watch is, you know, can this guy generate the hype, you know, and as much as the whole brick by brick thing kind of fizzled at Tennessee and, you know, you got Harbaugh with his continuous annex and, and I, you know, it's not about how they say it and the, the quirky little messages and stuff, but we need to see, these kids have become believers and, and the fans and the boosters too. It all goes hand in hand. So we're going to find out, can this guy generate the buzz? He's, he's not what I would call a splash hire. I don't think anybody really would, but you got a guy with a lot of potential. And if he can cross that boundary and I think it all starts kind of like, I think you said earlier on with show them some offense 
you know, if, if they can get a quarterback out there, whether that be Corral or whoever, and, and suddenly this offense sparks, there's a lot of people out there that are waiting to jump on that bandwagon. And I, I don't mean that in like in a fan perspective, but I mean the recruits. You know, they want Florida, they want their hometown school to be, to be good and, and to, to believe in that so they can go there. They don't want to have to go to Alabama, not all of them. They don't want to have to go to LSU or wherever. They want, you know, in Florida State, you know, they got their own problems right now. It is ripe for the picking. But the timing is right for Mullen if he can get it done. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we move on, remember, Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Morty, M-O-R-T-Y, the newest and smartest way to get a home mortgage. If you ever bought a home, you know that the mortgage process can be some of the most confusing and painful hours of your life. I recently bought a house myself and to find a lender that fits the needs for me and my family, doing all the research myself for rates took entirely way too much time. I really needed to find a way to make the process fast and worry-free. Morty makes it fast and easy. Morty not only simplifies the process, but they help you find the smartest mortgage that's right for you. Just input your information into Morty's secure website, and in less time than it takes to hear this ad, you can shop qualified rates from different lenders. With Morty, you'll get a real you'll get real loan options in minutes without ever being called or sold to by a mortgage broker. And by shopping loans from different lenders, you're able to pick the rate and term that fits best your needs. In addition to that, Morty can automatically generate a pre-approval letter online for you in minutes, which will help you speed up the home buying process and talk confidently to realtors and sellers. Morty wants to save you money. At Morty, there's no commission salespeople, so their experts exist solely to get you the best deal possible. If you ever get stuck or have questions, someone from Morty's team is always ready to assist you over real-time chat or on the phone. So whether you're a first-time home buyer looking to refinance or buying an investment property, head on over to trymorty.com slash gators to get started today. That's T-R-Y-M-O-R-T-Y, trymorty.com slash gators. Morty Inc. is a licensed mortgage mortgage, mortgage broker, equal housing lender, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 1429243. So, guys, we have brought up um, the staff that he is a hot – that's probably one of the hottest topics we have seen on social media when – that the announcement was made and, and look, even guys that we thought might be coming to Florida is, Hey, who, who will they be bringing with them? Uh, we've mentioned past guys that were at Florida before under urban Meyer while Dan Mullen was here. Uh, Gonzalez, Hevesy, uh, we'll kind of see, you know, Grantham, the defensive coordinator is not a very popular name uh, around the Florida parts uh, for obvious reasons. Everybody remembers the choke uh, sign on the sideline as Chaz Henry, I believe it was, which kicks an overtime game-winning field goal against Georgia. Uh, Grantham's over there mocking him by grabbing his throat, telling him he's going to choke. Uh, so, you know, he's been a uh, defensive coordinator at Georgia, at Mississippi State right now. Uh, was at Louisville before Mississippi State. Um, you know, I, I don't – we'll see. I think Hevesy and Gonzalez are, are kind of maybe two locks, I would say, that Mullen will be bringing over from Mississippi State. Grantham, I'm just not sure. I hear there's reports that uh, he might be coming. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if Florida fans' thoughts will come into play here. They shouldn't. If Mullen wants to bring him, he should bring him. Uh, but – I know I, I kind of would. I mean, here's the thing about recruiting as well. As we got through talking, Randy Shannon goes. Some recruits are leaving as well. Um, I don't think you ever keep a coach for recruiting purposes. So if if he doesn't need to be here, he can go as well. Uh, but you know, Cider 
one current staff member I'd like to see stay. Everybody else can move on. Uh, but you know, talking about the staff, I think we'll see some familiar faces, but also some new ones as well. I do too. It's going to be interesting to see who they keep. I've been told, uh, you know, kind of during the whole Chip Kelly saga that what they were looking to do was keep, you know, two or three guys, uh, depending on how that, that worked out. Um, yeah, Shannon was one of the consistent names. Jawan Sider was a guy that was kind of 50-50 from what I've heard. And, you know, I heard a couple other names. And uh, Corey Bell was one of the ones that I think people were intrigued by because of the recruiting. And I feel like maybe he's not becoming coach. Um, I, I don't see, we'll, think we'll see more than that uh, because I think it's going to get crowded in there just because I think Mullen's got a pretty good staff. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because I'm not sure that Florida's staff, at least over the last three years, has been all that dynamic from a recruiting perspective. And so what is the impetus to keeping those guys who, I mean, yes, they have some connections and some relationships with some recruits who are out there right now. But, you know, again, sort of the idea of a process, that the process is you bring in the best recruiters, you bring in the best guys for your system, and you use them going forward to build the program. If you use coaches who are already there who haven't necessarily done a fantastic job with the recruiting and you know just because they've built these relationships then you've really sort of abandoned the process so i'd like to see mullen bring in the people that he that he's the most comfortable with regardless of what the administration thinks um and i'm sure that was part of the conversations that he had with them but i don't imagine you hand somebody the kind of money they're handing mullen and then and then tie his hand behind his back and tell him he's gotta he's gotta hire your hand-picked assistants so um, i would expect a lot of the people that he's comfortable with to be the people who are coming to florida hey one thing to watch out for here uh the way he has his staff structured right now <laughs> is I believe he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. I believe that both Hevesy, the offensive line coach, and Billy Gonzalez, the wide receiver coach, are both co-offensive coordinators. And I think what he did with that, and the reason he structured that, it was he wanted guys, those two guys, on his staff, but they were guys that maybe were you know borderline for promotion. And so it was a way to secure their employment because Mullen is really the offensive guy. He's the guy that drives the offense kind of like, a Spurrier would have been. And so he has a quarterback coach, but when you don't necessarily have an offensive coordinator, and I, I, unless I'm wrong here, maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but if you got that, maybe one of those guys doesn't want to come or whatever, and it, it might free him up if he wants to go chase those big assistants in recruiting and hand them that title to come in. Um, Mario Cristobal would be one. You know, I think he has that co-office coordinator title in Oregon. Uh, you know, no one and Taggart calls the plays there. Right. So it's that kind of situation. It gives you a little freedom and creativity to, to bring a guy in, give him a title, and add to your staff. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing Hevesy or and or Billy Gonzalez come in, in as part of the staff. They've both got Florida ties. They know the program. Yeah. Uh, I think they've had pretty good success there. I'm just saying that that's something to watch to see how he handles that. Yeah, I think so, too. And um, Yeah. I want to go back to, to, to like Mullen a little bit anyway. And this kind of speaks to recruiting and how early on in his career uh, at Florida too, you know, I, I remember when, when Urban Meyer was first hired and it was the wonder is could his offense work in the SEC? And Dan Mullen was his offensive coordinator. And look, they, they made it work with Chris Lee. 2005, we know the first year there, it was a so-so offense. 2006 was kind of the same, but – Look, they knew how to get the ball in the playmakers' hands, and we really saw that 2006 with the emergence of Percy Harvin. Uh, but also, you know, you saw little things, uh, and I would like to, 
you know, I don't know if we'll ever know this, but I'd like to give Dan Mullen some credit. Go back to the first year, 2005, Florida has that bye week, and they insert Billy Lasko in as a fullback, H-back type, changes the offense a little bit, and they get some more success. 2006, as I mentioned, you get the – you get the true freshman, Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin coming in. They find a way to use Tebow as a as a third down and short, fourth down and short conversion, use him in the red zone, use him in a short yardage goal line situation. They, he knew what to do with him. He knew what to do with Percy Harvin. He knew how to get the ball in his hands, even as a freshman. So one thing that we have, you know, really just shouted from the mountaintop about this last staff that's now on their way out is not getting the ball into the playmaker's hands. That's not going to be a problem for Dan Mullen. No, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see a significant uptick on offense, because I do think that Florida has playmakers at a lot of those positions. That you know, we saw it with Tony. I mean, when you got him the ball, it was an automatic eight yards. When you got the ball to Malik Davis, it was an automatic five, and and they'd go long stretches without touching the ball. Even last year, when they had the three running backs and they couldn't decide on who was going to be the guy to be the running back, and it, I mean, everybody could see that Scarlett was the guy who needed to be the running back. Now he struggled in pass protection, so you could sort of understand maybe why he didn't get quite as many reps but but it just took them so long to identify who the guys were they wanted to get the ball to and then once they finally did it was like they'd get it to the one guy till he got hurt and then they go all right well now we have to find another guy to get the ball to <laughs> like who can fill that role i mean you got seven of them i mean so get you know massey's going to be around you got you got tony coming back conceivably you could have tony playing in the backfield as you know we've talked a little bit about him being in a quarterback role and you could have him play that tebow role to start with obviously not as big but certainly more dynamic and so you know you could adapt in that capacity. So all the things we've been asking for for this entire year, I think are some things that we can probably see just with the current talent that's on the team. And before Bill jumps in here, you know, and I don't want to label this because we've labeled players this Percy Harvin role for a lot, but Mullen can maybe put Tony or someone else, you know, in that Percy Harvin role where if you want him in the backfield as a Wildcat quarterback, he can do it. If you want him to be as a wide receiver, he can do it. If you want him to be a uh, running back back there, lining up beside the quarterback, taking a you know counter handoff, he can do it. And I think Dan Mullen can find ways to get a player like Tony the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think he absolutely will. And he's like the one guy that can legitimately talk about the, the Percy role and the Tebow role because he was there with him. You know, yeah. and you know, and I, maybe you know, as a fan, and I, and like I said, I admit I was a little bit disappointed because I was hoping they would swing for the fence, just like everybody else. But I think we've forgotten the fact that he engineered the offense that, that brought him those glory days there with Urban. And, and you know, that's not something we should so look as a small thing. I mean, that's, it was huge. And, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was just some token coordinator there. Like if, he might have had under Spurrier or something. I mean, the guy, he he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, I think he's going to diversify the offense. I think he's going to focus on the playmakers. I think he's going to simplify it where it needs to be simplified. I think, I think it's going to be fun. Well, and you saw that when when Mullen left. So he yep. left to take the job at Mississippi State, and Adazio stepped in. <laughs> And, and the offense became significantly less dynamic. Now, part of that was Percy Harvin was no longer around. And, and so certainly I don't think you need – I don't think anybody needs to be reminded that that's a pretty big deal. At the same time, just, you know, the complaining about the dives into the middle started with yeah. Adazio as the offensive coordinator. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think the fact that the imagination started to – get stripped out of the offense um, probably happened because Mullen was leaving as well. So, you know, I, 
obviously it's Urban Meyer's offense. I mean, that's that that was the way it was sold when he was there, and I'm sure that was a large portion of it. But Mullins seems to have a creativity that Adazio didn't, and so if he can have creativity that McIlwain didn't, then the players will be in a much better position to succeed. Maybe uh, looking back, if they do a documentary about Florida football, they'll refer to the last nine years as less di- the less dynamic era. <laughs> <laughs> But look, I mean, we we always talk about, you know, Florida hasn't had a quarterback since Tim Tebow. But look, I mean, we also forget that Dan Mullen was part of that. And Yeah, maybe we haven't had an offensive coordinator since then. There you go. There you go. That's that was that was my point. Now, not only have we not had a quarterback, we haven't had an offensive coordinator either. So Well, I mean, you know, so it it sounds like Kurt Roper may not be long for South Carolina either <laughs> at this point. So, you figure Charlie Weiss I never saw that one coming. (laughs) Brett Brett Pease (laughs) and Doug Nussmeyer are the last four offensive coordinators. So, so maybe the Mullen hire isn't the most important part. The uh, maybe the offensive coordinator is the most important part, (laughs) or at least him being the offensive coordinator. After what we saw the last three years, it is definitely the most important part. (laughs) Uh, I I will say it it is interesting when you look at some of the stuff that uh, some of the stuff that Mullen's done. When you look at his quarterbacks. Prescott's played really, really well. Chris Ralph had one real good year. Beyond that, the quarterbacks haven't been dynamic. I mean, they've been able to run, but they haven't been they haven't been fantastic. And so I don't know that, you know, people you'll hear people call him a quarterback whisperer. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that that's true, but I think he's going to put his playmakers in a position to try to help uh, to try to help the quarterback along. And for somebody like Franks or Corral or anybody else who may come in, I think that's going to be important because there's clearly not a lot of effective experience. We certainly don't have a incumbent starter at quarterback at this point. And so, you know, just, just competence at that position, especially after that Florida state game is something that I think is going to be a welcome thing for Florida fans and something that, that Mullen can provide. But I think anybody expecting him to come in and turn whoever turns, whoever ends up being the starting quarterback into a Heisman candidate. I think that's probably a reach. I think it's going to take probably a hand picked guy um, that he's gone out and found the dual threat guy who fits his system. And, you know, so it might take a couple of years to have a quarterback who's really making things home and i thought i wrote it down and i forgot but i know he has a highly rated i believe four star committed right now at mississippi state uh so you know i know a lot of people are wondering right now if he would be able to bring him uh, along with him uh but you know i haven't been able to watch film on the guy or whatever but i really do forget uh i forget his name so it's it's jalen maiden Jalen yeah. Maiden is a quarterback. Yeah. He's one of the, I guess, one of the things working for Florida. If they wanted to go get him, is he's he's from Texas, so he's yeah. not from Mississippi. So he's ranked according to two forty seven composite. He's the two hundred seventy eighth ranked player nationally. So he's a four star quarterback. He's a pretty good player, um, but I, you know, not transformative. Not Tebow. I mean, Tebow was a five star, yeah. you know, top top five, top ten player. But certainly somebody who has committed to Mullen and maybe willing to maybe willing to go with him because it's not like he's going to Mississippi State because it's right around the corner from his home. Somebody told me. Somebody told me that um, a certain quarterback in Atlanta followed Mullen on Twitter tonight. <laughs> a certain quarterback in Atlanta. Hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> you have to check that out. You got to make a call. You got to yeah. make it. You know. We'll have to fact check that one, but that's what I heard. Yeah. Well. Un- unfortunately, that kind of means we have to root for Georgia next week, doesn't it? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Never, man. <laughs> but you know, and, and it does bring up a good point when we're talking about quarterbacks. And when I went just a second ago and talked about Leak and 
at least we know he can Dan Mullen can at least cater to a quarterback. Now, don't get me wrong, I know the offense under Leak wasn't the best, but it showed a willingness to adapt to what he had and get the job done with that type of quarterback. Now, Fitzgerald, uh, this past year, you know, he's not known as much as a runner as Tebow was or Dak Prescott was either. Uh, he, he was more of a thrower than those guys were. Uh, but, you know, you look at Dan Mullen's biggest success and you look at Tebow and you look at Prescott. So, you know, yes, I think the dual threat role and more of a running style quarterback fits what Dan Mullen wants to do. They don't necessarily, if we're looking at year one, he eventually gets, you know, I think he eventually gets to the dual threat guy where he has the most success, but in year one, maybe he could piece something together enough where if this defense, this young defense can take the next step uh, and be a, a formidable defense then I think, you know, he probably can find enough of something. Hey, look, and the schedule is a cakewalk next year, as, as much of a SEC schedule can be. So we may get a, a better look than what it really looks like because of the schedule, but it may fit, just fit into what we're looking for. And you guys mentioned it. Hey, you get year one looking good, and these recruits may just start flocking. Yeah, I just want to see some offensive production. I, I want to see a patchwork offense. As far as the schedule, I, I – and really, I don't even care about that. I just year one, just sell your vision to these recruits. It's going to take some work out there. They're going to know if you don't have your quarterback. Hopefully, Corral comes in still or whatever, and you got somebody that shows some promise. Just just give us something to believe in. Give the, the recruits something to believe in, and show me a top ten recruit, a legitimate top ten recruiting class, not squeaking in to ten and gets adjusted down to eleven. Break that door down like Florida should in year one. Or, and I'm not talking about this transition class. This is going to yes. be an adventure. Yeah. I'm talking about your first full class. I want to see a legitimate, hopefully top five, but at least top ten recruiting class and load the cupboards and then come out firing in year two. Um, I don't want to set the bar too high. And I think if fans are looking for this guy to have a, a, an offense humming in year one, if they're looking for him to come out and thump all the rivals. and I mean, remember, Urban Meyer had a nine-three year, and it was tremendous in 2005. And I, I mean, that's – that's fine with me. You, you get that done, even if it's not that good. I mean, this could be a six or seven win year next year, and that could be a massive improvement. Remember, I mean, don't forget what we're looking at here. Well, and I, I think you can – so maybe Franks isn't the right fit for what Mullen wants to do long term, but there were plenty of times where he could have pulled the ball out of his running back's belly and, and run and yeah. run for a significant for a significant amount of time because no one was paying any attention to it. Now obviously in a Mullen offense people are going to start paying attention to it, but when they do, other things are going to open up, which was the whole reason we were asking <laughs> for them to, to pull the ball every once in a while is that it opens things up. So, you know, Franks is not Dan Marino back there. I mean you know, he he's not, and, and I don't mean passing. I mean from a mobility perspective, he's not doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, he, he's not he's not hobbling around back there. He's not slow. He's just not the prototypical fast twitch guy that you'd expect to run in a in a spread like that. He's not Tony. He's not going to make people miss like that. But I don't know that he has to be to be competent within the within the offense. Leak was not I I think Franks is probably a better athlete than Leak was. Yeah. But I think Leak was by far a more accomplished passer um, at this stage in his career. So, you know, is that complete coaching? I think we're going to know um we're going to know real quick. Um 
just at the progress when you see in game one, I think we'll know real quick, especially if Franks is the one playing, we'll know real quick what the problem was this year and whether it was a combination of player and coach or whether it was much more coaching than it was player. Hey, and about quarterback. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Yeah, and I don't want to scare people with this because McIlwain did it, but don't be surprised if Mullen goes out there and gets a grad transfer that can that fits more of his style of what he's looking for. Look, well, Franks may not Franks may not be able to use run his offense. Jake Allen may not be able to run this offense. If you keep Corral, I say maybe don't go that route, and maybe you can keep him back there and, and build the offense with him in year one. Uh, but don't be surprised just because McIlwain didn't have good success with it of going to go get a grad transfer or a transfer in that can run this offense. Yeah. Listen, about the quarterback situation, it's just light years difference between Mullen and McIlwain. I mean, we're talking about a guy, a guy that worked with Tim Tebow. You know, first-round draft pick, Heisman winner, Alex Smith, number one overall pick. Josh Harris at Bowling Green was the second player ever to have 40 touchdowns rushing and passing in a year, I think it was. Uh, you know, he worked with Chris Lee, even though he didn't recruit him. He, he went out and got Dak Prescott and developed him, put him in the NFL for success. You know, Fitzgerald has looked pretty good at times. I mean, the guy has a tremendous quarterback resume. So – I'm confident that, yeah, it might be a little bit of a struggle next year. He's going to find his guy, whether that be Corral, whether it be Gatewood, or whether it be Tony, or whoever, he's going to find his guy at quarterback. And, and Florida fans shouldn't be afraid of a grad transfer so long as the grad transfer fits what he's trying to do. Yeah. I think, Dave, that's been, that was your biggest problem with Malik Zaire is they brought in a running quarterback for an offense that just refused to run the ball. Yeah. And so if you're going to – I mean – and and that was on top of Dave. I'm gonna start lack- twitching if you keep talking about all their decisions from the McElwain era. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. No more. Well, here's here's the here's the last one I'm bringing up. Then is is we're watching Jared Stidham right now <laughs> playing for Auburn, and and they didn't jump on that recruitment until until much much later than they at least had word that he was potentially interested. And so you know, as long as Mullen's bringing in a guy who makes sense within his offense and what he wants to do. I mean, if he brings in a guy who looks like Ryan Mallett, then, then I'm going to criticize it because that's not who you, who he wants back there. So then it's just sort of throwing darts at the wall. But if he's got if he's got a plan, if he's got a process to build, I don't think people need to be afraid of a grad transfer for a one-year transition, especially if that helps sell the vision like Bill was talking about, that, hey, we've turned a corner now. All we need is this guy to come in, give some people some confidence because, you know, a lot of the a lot of the things that have happened over the last three or four weeks are confidence based, and then a lot of them are depth based, right? As the injuries and suspensions have taken hold. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk about selling the vision, Bill. Uh, you said you had some uh, names there that uh, we talked about the staff earlier, but you know some 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 other guys out there that could that could come out here uh, with Dan Mullen. Um, you know, we'll get his press conference tomorrow, and I don't think we'll get. Uh, you know, most people listen to this on Monday. The press conference will be like today. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think we'll get much word uh, about staffing members, but you know, who can you see that would be good additions or should be good additions to the staff? Now, are you talking about guys that he might bring with him or guys they might look outside of his current staff and Florida for? Uh, I mean, both. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I, I kind of think we got, we kind of already discussed, you know, who he might bring with him. But if you got more to add to that or guys that maybe we're just not even thinking of. Well, here's the thing. Let's assume they keep two assistants from the Florida staff right now. Uh, I think that's probably where you put the over-under because uh, I don't think they'll fire everybody. Yeah. Well, <coughs> Dan Mullen has come in. He's recruited Florida before. So we're going to say he has Florida ties. John Hevesy, same thing, Florida ties. Uh, let's say we keep Cider. 
Florida ties, ace recruiter in the south of the state. Uh, Billy Gonzalez, Florida ties. And then Randy Shannon, let's say they keep him at like linebacker and co-defensive coordinator, whatever. Well, that gives you five guys with Florida ties. So I want to see who they bring in with those uh, guys to help recruit the state because I just think it's tremendous. Uh, but he's got some guys that maybe don't have those in-state ties that I think um, would be very worthy additions. Uh, Brian Baker, defensive line coach, has 14 years experience coaching in the NFL. Coached eight pro bowlers, including Julius Peppers and DeMarcus Ware. That's the kind of guy that, you know, Antonius Clayton and uh, some of these other young defenders are going to look at and, and Zuniga. And they're going to be like, man, that's the guy that can get me over the hump and into the NFL. Um, one interesting guy he's got, Terrell Buckley, FSU grad, played in the Super Bowl, 14-year NFL vet. He coaches cornerbacks for them. Um, remember, we've got an extra assistant coming on board this year, and the way he has it currently set up is he splits cornerbacks and safeties. So maybe they keep Bill at safety and Buckley coaching the corners. That's something to watch for. Before you move um, on from him, Bill, mm-hmm. I, have, I have heard rivals do not want to see that. They do not want to see Buckley at Florida. I, I don't think they would. I mean, and, and you look at just the guys I've mentioned, if you have the guys, that five guys with Florida ties, and he'd be a sixth guy with Florida ties, obviously, because he's – well, actually, he's not from there, but he played at FSU. Yeah. Um, but with Sider and Buckley, uh, you're you're starting to, to to put some good ace recruiters together. Some guy, and and then if you have Baker, now you've got some NFL cred, and that's basically going on what I'm getting at here. I want to see some ace recruiters. I want to see plenty of Florida ties, and I want to see some some NFL credentials to sell because I think that's what the kids want on the recruiting trail. If they're going to look outside. Um, a couple of names I've heard, uh, Larry Scott, the offensive coordinator from Tennessee. He's a guy that has deep ties to the state. I think he uh, was at South Florida for quite a while, and uh, he's a guy that could end up coaching tight ends for them. Uh, maybe be one of those co-offensive coordinators with that label. Let's say Gonzalez leaves or Hebesey doesn't come in. Um, Raymond Woody from Oregon is another one I'd look to. He's uh, one of the top recruiters in the country right now this year, and number 13 in the uh, 24-7 sports recruiter rankings. Uh, yes, he's in Oregon, but he's from Palmetto, Florida, was with Taggart at USF coaching linebackers. So if Shannon moves on, maybe he's a guy that would come in and coach linebackers. Um, and then one guy – this is a, a subject for another show. The special teams were, were pretty good at Mississippi State. And I won't give you a full breakdown on that. The numbers were actually pretty good. So I don't know that they'll replace their current special teams coordinator. But guys, look to teams that are firing their coaches because now that's where you guys are looking for jobs. In Texas A&M, you've got Jeff Banks. He's currently the number three recruiter in the country on the 2018 24-7 Sports Recruiter Index. And their, their special teams were excellent. They were number five in block kicks, number six in block punts, uh, number one in punt returns, which that helps when you have a dynamic athlete there, uh, 37th in punt return defense. So he's he's a guy that, you, you know, maybe doesn't have the ties to the state, but if they can bring a special teams coordinator in that can be a, a dynamo there, I'd be all for that too. Charlie Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, mean they're not gonna retain, you mean they're not going to retain Nord? Well, he's being promoted. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> him and us together. You know, hey, one other thing. They're going to continue making the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, by the way. You know, another guy that's floating out there that might be looking for jobs, Robert Gillespie. Yeah, the running back coach Ooh. from Tennessee that's a former yeah. Gator running back. <laughs> so if, the Sykes, thing, 
If they don't keep Snyder, that is exactly who I would replace him with. It could happen. And I'll, I'll give a, a you know a little fuller breakdown as we we go forward. But that's just a few names for tonight because we're covering so much stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I got some Twitter comments that uh, that uh, we, that was sent our way. I threw a tweet out there for people's reactions uh, to the hire. So anything else football related or anything before we uh, we'll go sign off after that. Uh, that'll work, man. I know we're burning yeah. the midnight oil as is, and you daywalkers can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> we will have another episode later this week, probably Tuesday night. <clears throat> so don't worry. We'll have more uh, breakdown of the Dan Mullen hire, of course. So, yeah, let me get to some of the uh, the uh, tweets that uh, was sent uh, my way here uh, about the hire uh, for, uh, on Twitter. So Millie, Millie Battison at Gator Pest. Um, I'm very concerned about his recruiting chops. So, yeah, something we brought up here. Oliver Berry, uh, Matt Corral likes it. That's good enough for me. Can you imagine the Gators with a good quarterback again? Um, Dustin Woolbright, solid hire, solid hire with a high floor. If he surrounds himself with a staff that can recruit, the sky's the limit. And, guys, before I, I move on, that is something that I really liked about Dan Mullen. And, one, and I think when I made my initial list, he was in my top two or three guys uh, to get the job just because of his background in the SEC at Florida and with quarterbacks. But you know, we'll, Dustin brings up a good point. He is a guy, I think, with a high floor. We just don't know what the ceiling quite is yet. Yeah, that really is. It's the truth. It's well-spoken. He's a good coach, but can he be a great one? Well, what does what does great look like with the athletes at Florida? I mean, he's he's been a he's been a really good coach at Mississippi State. That means eight wins. Does does essentially, I guess, not average, but does good, not great, look like ten? I mean, at this point, most people I think could take that. Absolutely, top fuel one twenty five. Wasn't sure at first, but like better now. Anything is better than what we endured under Mac, and I think we'll be competitive soon. Andres Rodriguez disappointed. Look at his record against ranked opponents. We should have gone with. We should have gone after Taggart before Mullen. Uh, Bill, he called you out. You you will show the stats of a mediocre hire. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not though. It's not a mediocre hire. I mean, <laughs> the guys are winning coach. It's an unknown hire to a certain degree. But they, like I said, they all are. Yep. You have to look at it and say, okay, he won sixty percent of his games, and you're you're going to look out there with a critical view, a valid one at that, and say. Hey, he didn't win a lot of big games. You know, he he didn't win a title. Um, but I would gather that, that the context shows that hey, that he probably did better than than anybody else has done at that school. Going all the way back, I think Dan Mullen is probably the the best performing Mississippi State coach in, in the in the program's history. Um, he, he took them to new heights into a number one ranking. He's put players in the NFL, and, and he has won big games. You know that that was somebody. Um, and please forgive me, whoever you are out there, because I, you know, I had to work tonight. I didn't really get to, to look at my tweets and said that you know, show me where he ever won a big game. Well, 2014, he beat three ranked opponents, and, and they were like top ten opponents in the conference there. And I, sorry, I'm looking for my notes here to see who it was. Uh, Auburn, Texas A&M, and LSU. That's right, number eight, number six, and number two. Yep. Mississippi State. <laughs> you know, that, that does not happen to beat three top ten opponents in that conference with the, the quality they were look the guy the, the guy has a chance to succeed at florida it, all of you out there that are on the fence about this i don't ever tell people how to enjoy their their football i don't ever tell people how to view something that's a it's for you to decide but for me as a critical person i think there's a chance this guy could really be special at florida 
but is it a sure thing? Absolutely not. Are your criticisms, are your questions valid? Absolutely. Um, just for me, I'm going to err on the side of having fun with it because, man, I'm glad we made a change. <laughs> well, and I, and I look at it and say he spent 19 years at Mississippi State, and one of the big questions about people like Kelly and Frost were where are they going to be three, four years from now? Um, you know, are they going to be looking for the next step in their career? It doesn't look like Mullen's that kind of guy. Now, maybe he doesn't want to spend the next 20 years at Florida, but it doesn't seem like he's going to look to bail for an NFL job three or four years from now just based on what we've seen. Now, I mean, if he is bailing for an NFL job three or four years from now, I think we're all very, very happy with where the program is and the quality of play because um, if the NFL comes calling for him, it'll mean that Florida's winning and winning big. And not to mention the fact he's 45 years old, right? Is he yep. just 45? 45. He's yep. been at Mississippi State for nine years already, and he's still a young coach. You, you go through a full five-year five cycle, let's say he – and let's just be ridiculous right now. Let's just say he wins a national championship at Florida um, year four or five. The guy's only 50. He's got forever to go. So if he does want to make a home here, it could turn into a saving thing. Yeah. Yes, I know I'm being ridiculous right now. I'm just saying. Well, we do know where his wife won't be. Publix in Gainesville. So. <laughs> well, they didn't have Peapod back in what 2008. Right. So now, they, now they've got that. She can just have the groceries delivered to the house. I just like to point out if the rumors are true about his salary, they're not going to have to do their own grocery shopping anymore. That, anyway. right. <laughs> if that is the rumors right now. I can't confirm it. I am hearing seven million a year, but uh, I don't know. It's not out there uh, really a lot right now. So maybe we'll get confirmation. Uh, with the press conference and everything coming up. So maybe uh, if I like become their grocery dude, that I can like get an inside source with them. There we go. You get the public's warehouse on your way on, uh, on I 10 from <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville to Gainesville. That's right. So yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> A few more here. Uh, Natural works uh, has a lot of interaction with us on Twitter. He knows what to expect at Florida. He's not scared or intimidated. He's gone toe-to-toe with SEC Giants and didn't flinch. He's confident in his abilities and will prove it at Florida. Pointing up to titles he helped win would be a big-time selling points to recruits. Uh, Sarah Higgins, I'm excited about Mullen. He knows the expectations at Florida and will be able to deal with them, unlike our last couple of coaches. Uh, a few more. Steven Carcello, uh, I can live with it. It's not a grand slam or a home run by any means. It's a simple, solid triple with the potential of stealing home. Wanted him here three years ago. MMA Josh, Josh Emery, confused and on the fence. Worst case scenario, I think he can fix the brand and make us look competitive and competent. Not sure he's a championship caliber coach, but I hope to be proven wrong. And Gator on, uh, well, maybe the third one will be a winner from the blogs and tweets I read today. I agree. A lot of great coaches don't want a job in the SEC. A large percentage of fans are irate if you don't win every game. So, you know, that kind of speaks to why some people didn't think Dan Mullen would come to Florida. There's the, we talked about his wife's comments, uh, relationships uh, with the, the UAA from his past uh, time here. Uh, but, you know, I think with Scott Strickland uh, as the athletic director, uh, he got, he, he got his guy after of course, Kelly uh, and probably Frost turned him down. He was comfortable with Dan Mullen uh, and it kind of moved pretty fast. I think once he reached out to Dan Mullen. Is it in bad form if I make Cousin Eddie jokes moving forward? Um, I, I, I've seen them in other places, so you might as well. <laughs> I, I will put a moratorium as long as he – I will give you a, two years, Dan. Get the forward passing attack going, and I won't make a Cousin Eddie joke. 
<laughs> I, I, I give him six months, Dave. I give him six months. <laughs> uh, yeah, We'll have to go back and unless Will, you can talk about it right quick. You had an article today about how Scott Strickland has handled the coaching search. That was before Dan Mullen was named head coach at Florida. Uh, this is does this alleviate alleviate any of the concerns or uh, you know, the like of, of of Scott Strickland finding a head coach? I mean, I, I think given the circumstances, getting Mullen is a pretty is a pretty big deal here, especially decisively before the early signing period. My biggest concern was the leaks that were coming out of the UAA. I mean, I, I don't remember there being this much information out there, like there was about Kelly, like there was about Frost back when uh, back when Foley was hiring McElwain. Now, obviously, that didn't turn out real well uh, from a Florida <laughs> from a Florida perspective. Just a Until he was in Colorado. <laughs> But you know the the concern was that you know Frost Frost turns them down. Um, obviously, they got turned down by by Kelly, and now you're sitting there going, okay, you're going to your third or fourth choice, and you know the fan base was not going to be pleased with Norvell. And Norvell is a very very good coach, but I don't think they were going to be pleased with him. Half the fan base wasn't going to be pleased with Taggart. Now half the fan base isn't going to be pleased with Mullen. There's not going to be a very long rope for the coach. Because of the way the because of the way the coaching search went, because everyone's going to say, well, if we'd gotten Chip Kelly, and the Heat's really going to get ramped up, ramped up if UCLA turns a corner halfway through year one or in year two, and Florida's still struggling somehow. So, you know, you mentioned the money that's coming Mullen's way allegedly, and and. You know, that's one of the – so the downside to the passionate fan base is that you hear all the noise, but the upside to the passionate fan base is you get paid because those passionate fans expect the administration to pony up to get the top-tier candidate in there. And so, you know, Mullen decided it was worth it to to deal with some of those things that maybe are not necessarily the most pleasant thing to deal with. But, you know, I mean, the, the Gator fan base is passionate and they're also knowledgeable. For the most part, it's not a bunch of people who don't know anything who are out there spouting nonsense. It's people who looked at the product on the field this year and the past three years and just said, this is garbage. Like, why? Yeah, like, it's not Tennessee fans. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I have no idea how to respond to that, other than, other than good job, Bill, good job. No, I, I think Seattle backed out because they like try to give him like Confederate money or something, and it is, he was like, "I can't accept this. This doesn't count." Oh man, what a what a question that is. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, we, we we could be we could be Tennessee, I suppose, is the silver lining in all of this stuff. But let, nah. let me just say this, uh, just about the fiasco, and I know a lot of fans. And a lot of people that have attempted to keep you know, kept up with what the going on were with uh, with Gator football and the coaching search are feeling kind of uh, probably disenfranchised because the whole way the Kelly information went down because just about everybody had heard that Kelly was going to be the guy and, and they passed that along. And, you know, we kind of kept one foot in the door and, and there were some people that called and said, this is it, it's done. And we, I was on the verge because we were hearing it from so many angles uh, but I do just want to point out that what happened here is these leaks were coming from the University of Florida and people surrounding that program. And the reason that the information ended up – it wasn't bad information because they did chase Kelly and they did go after him. And, and the people that were reporting on that the whole time were right. But the University of Florida lost out. It, it just – they thought they had him. And so they were telling – the people associated with the program were saying, we got him. 
well, they didn't have them as much as they think they did. And so they kind of ended up on their faces. That's no fun, you know, but, you know, regardless of what you think, they went out and got a guy. And so I would just encourage, again, I don't tell people how to enjoy it, but I think we should give the guy a chance. That's just me. Absolutely. I mean, his past speaks for itself uh, in, in certain areas, especially out Florida. Uh, success with quarterbacks, the like, success on offense. Uh, yes, we'd like to see some more ranked wins. Yes, we'd like to see some big wins. And hopefully with a Florida roster, the type of players he can recruit at Florida, maybe we see Dan Mullen turn the quarter, corner as a head coach and becomes one of the elite head coaches in college football. Anything else, guys? Uh, Florida's up by eight on Duke right now. So uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. Hopefully, by the time everybody listens, not this. running a third and long play action. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. may never see that again. We snuck it in one more time. Thank God. <laughs> oh, good God. Uh, so long, Nussmeyer. So long. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of that movie uh, on Major League when the guy was like, "Up oh, yours, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm so glad i am so happy i can't yeah. say it enough yeah i guys i'm beside myself happy you don't know i've been fighting for this for so long trying to tell people like it's wrong and now it might be finally right so there we go now more things to be excited about <laughs> dan mullen head coach of the florida gators remember you can find bill bill sykes on twitter at real b sykes Find Will Miles on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. You can find his work at SEC Country as well. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. We will have another episode later this week, breaking down the hire some more. We'll get Dan Mullen's press conference on Monday. Uh, we'll discuss and break all that down on Tuesday and some more numbers as well. So guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.